Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Corin Pilling, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you, Ed. It's really great to have this time with you. I'd just like to start by asking what, what challenges you personally have faced during the lockdowns of the past kind of 18 months and whether there are any spiritual or other practices which have helped. And also has, has that time, has this extraordinary time and difficult time brought any gifts as well as challenges? Mm, I don't, it's a great question and I was really, um, I felt really gifted by it as I, I did a bit of work on preparing. And I think one of the things that has struck me is that there's been such a deep disruption to the rhythms of our life um, during this period. So the things that keep us um, being connected to ourselves and to others and, and our faith uh, you know, been upturned so much. And so one of the challenges has been to tap into new rhythms whilst there's a certain amount of survival uh, at play for all of us. And that's essentially for many of us, the space that we've been in day to day. And I think, you know, if, if, if your expect expectations have to move from what's in front of me to deal with today, uh, then we'll automatically find that our energy is spent on that. And I think for many of us, we've had this sense of our horizons shrinking, and that's been a universal experience, I think. And so for myself, I've been through a number of different seasons that I think mirror um, what you might call a kind of a crisis and recovery curve in my own life. So, uh, for example, early on, like many of us, I think I approached lockdown as a task. It was almost a question of, right, who's okay? How do I ensure I'm okay? Um, okay, I can get out once a day. Right, what will I do? What's the optimal way of using that? Okay, I'll start to run long distance. So it's quite regimented and almost task-oriented in how I dealt with it. And then what happened, I think, for me, um, when the greater losses of it kicked in and you find that you're drawing from fewer resources, and again, I talked about that disruption of rhythms, um, you, you hit this place of sort of despondency and um, you're very tired, um, mood becomes low, and I certainly experienced that. And, and I think at that point, you know, the thing that I found was the challenge was, how can, I, how can I minimize the things that might be problematic in this time, whether it's really succumbing to a level of despair or, or whether it's adopting what you might call um, self-soothing activities that might not be that helpful, whether it's drinking a bit more or eating a bit more or just sort of um, the sort of thing that zones you out completely and, and leaves you a bit disconnected. So that challenge of how can I make choices that are a bit healthier or at least damage limiting during those times of the low. But so I think for myself, it feels like there have been a number of different modes within this time where I've been looking at all of that together. But within it, there have been some massive gifts. And, you know, I got involved early on with a local mutual aid group. So many of you will have heard of this or might be involved yourself or have been and that's uh, the kind of neighborhood response to people that were isolated and needed support in that those first few phases of lockdown and that continued and it was so cheering and encouraging to connect with other people who were really wanting to be practically helpful and actually um, another gift came for me and that it, it reconnected me to someone I'd, um, I'd been out of contact with for many many years and and that really um, re-sparked a friendship for us so it was a really wonderful gift to have done that so that was the first end of lockdown. And then personally, another element that was a challenge that became, uh, has in many ways, is an ongoing challenge and 
uh, but came with a gift in it is um so my my dad is um in residential care and uh, due to his disability so he's got multiple sclerosis and um, about two years ago he moved into um a care facility um as his care needs increased and um we've been through a big sort of shift as a family in terms of how we would stay in contact with him and ensure that you know the visits and, and his the quality of his relationships weren't diminished by that and then obviously when lockdown hit that was huge and um you know for a long time we couldn't visit there weren't ways of, of kind of connect, connecting with him and and then um within maybe six weeks or so the care home introduced um video calls and you know my dad needs help doing this but essentially now, for the majority of this time, I have a half hour FaceTime call with him a week. And now that doesn't, you know, fix all of the, the lost time together. Um, and, you know, I love to spend time with just him. But it, what it does mean now is that I've, I've always got that connection with him. And that's that's been often a really joyful time for me during some of the kind of darker periods. And, and knowing that that's a, a period that I really need to bring something for him as well, I think has been really good. I think more generally, reflecting on things spiritually, I think, again, thinking about this idea of kind of going through crisis and recovery that I mentioned earlier, I found that I guess there are two periods of time in my life or just instances in my life where I feel most spiritually connected. And it's either when I'm in a place of service and I feel like I'm being useful to others or connecting with others, or when I'm able to be very much on my own in a place of quiet. And um, I found that the former was, you know, to start with easier to get, but I went through a real period mid lockdown where it just felt like a real kind of bit of a spiritual desert really. And what I've been finding in these last couple of months um, is just gradually that sense of being able to come to that place of quiet again um, in a way that feels much more connected and peaceful has really been offered to me. And I've been regularly meeting with a spiritual director in this period. So uh, online, I've been able to keep up with seeing somebody who, you know, I talk about my, my experiences and, um, you know, what's been going on in my life through that spiritual end. For me, it's been amazing, really. I think my spiritual director, Judith, just to name check her because she is, has been an amazing help to me, is one of a number of people I think who have been able to give me space in these more anxious moments. And um, I guess I found that the business of trusting um, trusting God is, is quite a gentle and childlike space for me. And when I've been very worried or feeling a great deal of responsibility about my situation, it's easy for me to lose that. But I'm I'm realising that sort of, um, that gift that others can give me in terms of their, what I would, I guess the phrase I would use is the kind of people that are able to mirror back to me my own goodness, uh, the kind of people that have been really helpful to me in lockdown, and, and Judith is one of these people, but there have been many friends as well, where I think for some of us, the isolation of, of being in lockdown, um, one of the hard things about it is that you, your feedback loops have gone. So your sense of connection sometimes, and you know, again, things can be quite fraught sometimes in terms of relationships in your household, and uh, or for some of us that you know, absent, um, and to be have a few people in your life who are just able to hold that space a bit, but also mirror something back of what's good about you has been an amazing gift so that's something that I've celebrated and 
maybe one final thing uh, on this is um, I think my connection to nature has really increased during lockdown and uh, I'm really fortunate. I, I live um, I live in King's Cross. I live on a, um, a large estate there and I overlook um, a lot of greenery, which is not something you'd normally associate that area with. And so the, the season's changing through lockdown and um, this, this huge kind of canopy of trees that I essentially look almost over has been um, a really wonderful way of kind of connecting with the world for me and you know likewise my little balcony and the, the little bit of gardening that I've been doing there has been really helpful and those are the sort of activities that just remove anxiety and I find when my hands are in the dirt you know I'm not thinking about you know anything apart from what's before me and it's a it's a very connecting and relaxing place and having that view that view of um of those trees um and you know on one level a fairly kind of fundamental um kind of rooted level that sense in which the seasons are going on and i'm part of that and i might be concerned about what's happening within them but again those trees are still there there's something very reassuring about that and the cycles that they're going through i hope at this moment that you know that we all get a moment to pause and be able to take stock um, and you know that we're not rushing into activity because sometimes to really think about these experiences is going to be important for all of us. Um, I'd just like to ask about your work. You're UK director, is that right, of Sanctuary. Can you tell us a bit about what Sanctuary is, what it does? Yes, I'm, I'm a director of Sanctuary UK, as, as you said, and um, it's been my privilege to, to start this work during the pandemic. So in August of last year, I, uh, I started to lead the work here and it's based on um, a charity that started in Canada. So the parent organisation I'm part of uh, started over in, in Vancouver in Canada in 2012. And um, the vision really is around engaging churches around this very specific topic around mental health. Um, but the thing that I love about Sanctuary is the fact that we're looking to help the church on an ongoing journey around this. So it's not, it's not just about information or awareness, but it's really about really the whole health of the congregation and really wanting to see, um, you know, a growth in well-being and a commitment to developing that. So some of that, of course, is you know, developing um, an understanding of what mental health is. Um, of being in a position when people are facing challenges that we have enough information to be useful. And particularly, I think, also be um, feel maybe confident in knowing what we're doing and dealing, dealing with when uh, we're, we're experiencing those things within our communities. But I think the ongoing journey, of course, is that it's recognizing that it's not just about those crisis moments. And it's important, of course, that we deal with those well and that people who are experiencing them are in a place where they feel supported and they feel, they feel they're part of a community that are really willing to be there with them in it um, and perhaps signpost them to uh, services that are needed, but more than that, actually, to know that they're fully welcome. But I think another part of it really is about building participation. And, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say that we want to be a place that responds well to mental health. And I think it's another thing to say that we want to be a community that really values participation from everybody in it. And we're looking to build that. So, you know, in a sense, when, whenever we run training, so one of the aspects of what I, I do here in the UK is running training, um, often for people who are in, um, in training to, uh, for the ministry. Um, one of the things that we start by saying is that, you know, we're not here specifically to help you to be um, mental health specialists. What we are here for is to really help you to think about how can I help uh, the people in my congregation 
um, be fully participant in as far as is possible within this church. So that's the starting point, really. And, and that really drives how we work and what we do. What are some of the mental health challenges that you're finding people in, in churches and, and in communities are experiencing during lockdown? So, you know, isolation for many of us have been a real concern, and I've been really heartened by many churches' responses to that. Um, and that's obviously an ongoing piece of work. But I think also, uh, I think it's really important to say that many of the hidden issues that people are facing are things that I'm particularly concerned about. So um, within a mental health foundation study, I've been regularly uh, viewing people who are most impacted by lockdown and their, their mental health. It's often pointing to people that are often most hidden within our communities that are really at risk at this time. And by at risk, I mean people who are um, at risk of, uh, of, of suicide. And so within that group, you might find people who've had long-term health conditions. Um, you may be finding people who are long-term unemployed. And of course, concerningly, uh, many of our young people have been deeply affected. And so I think, you know, often churches will say, well, actually, we're not seeing people like that within our congregation. And I, I think my challenge would be, is have a think about the people who might be supporting them if you're not in a position of seeing them directly, because actually those are the people at the moment I think we, we need to find a way to rally around if we can, um, being probably identified as the most vulnerable in these moments. I noticed um, Professor John Swinton, who I think many of our listeners will, will know his work, a Michael Ramsey Prize winner and, and, and um, distinguished theologian. He, he's a um, enthusiastic supporter of, of sanctuaries. Theology seems important to what you do, as well as the practical help you provide. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, John's work has been really important to me personally before uh, joining Sanctuary. And I think, you know, he's got um, really valuable things, I think, to say about personhood and what it means to be a human and how that is worked out within the Christian community. And I think one of the things that John says that I, I really value is that a community is a place where we're missed. And really, I think that's something that's indicative of, uh, of what we're wanting to see and build really at church communities. There are, you know, we, we're imperfect in terms of what we can offer each other. And yet somehow within those spaces by the you know, power of the Spirit of God and, and, and goodwill, we can create these communities um, as part of the body of Christ where, uh, where wonderful things can happen and people can feel held, people can get to exercise their gifts, People can um, recognise more of who they are as that's mirrored back to them. And I think there's something about what um, people like John bring to the table that's really important for us. But it's, it's not just the individual theologians that are important to us. I think it's a, it's a model that we're looking to offer, which is essentially saying, look, theology, it's really important that underpins everything because it's about speaking to a bigger imagination of who we are and could be. And I think for many of us, it actually, it's foundational, of course, but it's foundational because it, it means that when we reflect on things theologically and really um, draw in um, a theological understanding of an issue like mental health, and of course the broader issue of who we are as people, then um, it tends to create a rationale for change. And it's much better than me just coming up with a model and saying, well, this is a great model that works, um, because when we've engaged so fully um, and drawn from the bigger biblical story and our tradition, as well as our experience, that tends to be a really good tool, actually, for kind of making change happen. So from that level, it's important, too. And I think so with those two strands, really, I would say the first strand being good theology. And the second, I would say, is probably 
good psychology and you know things that are, are evidence-based you know we want to be an organization that offers some rigor in what we, we give people i think also the other final part which is is key to this is is placing people's experience at the center of it and often those who have experienced mental health challenges often feel deeply marginalized and that's not everybody's experience but i think it is it's indicative of the fact that you know the we've still got a way to go in terms of breaking down the taboo and the deep, developing a deeper understanding of each other and, and honoring each other's experiences as well you know even if those experiences may be different from ours so i think those three things are really really important in terms of how we engage with this topic and i think that it brings a real strength um, if we're able to look, you know look at all three of those um you know concurrently um recognizing that you know we are we are complex as people um but if we're willing to enter into this place of reflection then i think you know, we can see great change and, and create spaces where people genuinely are welcome and, and can participate. When um, we report this week in our in our new section about the Sanctuary app, which I think is launched this week, could you tell us a bit about that, and particularly this this conversation game, which I was in, intrigued by? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I feel particularly proud of of us as an organisation is that a lot of the resources that we produce are really well researched, we're, they're rigorous, they're really well tested. Um, and again, referring to the model that I, I spoke of, it uses a number of different strands to, to look at a topic. Um, and as the pandemic went on, I thought, you know, I think our capacity for new information is really diminishing, but the conversation around mental health is a really important one. So what's an easy way into that at a time where actually we're feeling a bit overwhelmed and exhausted? And so this idea of a really simple kind of conversation prompt game came up. And um, I talked to a friend of mine who's a developer and he said, look, I'd be really keen to help you with this. So the idea of the app, now we've, we've put it out there, is it's really to help people reflect a little bit on the previous year and really think about this perhaps, I mean, through a number of different ways. I mean, some of the questions there are really playful. So, you know, there are things in there such as what would you put in a 2020 time capsule, for example, you know, that's one of them. But equally, there are other things that are a bit more searching and really help people think a bit more about, well, what's your relationship with your faith been like in this place? And, and perhaps also your well-being, how, you know, what have the, the particularly difficult times been? And the idea is that you'll take it anywhere you want to and with one friend or another, you know, or a group, perhaps around a dinner table or at the beach, you'll have a conversation about your about these things and it'll, these questions will be offered to you. So it's a way really of just trying to spark um, a way of us being able to connect with our experience in a way that feels appropriate and meaningful at this time, but also recognising that um, aspects of our well-being are really important. And as community, we it, it's really key that we we find ways to listen to each other, and perhaps even in that, find things that resonate with our experience as we hear other people's stories. Cool. And that app is um, does it cost anything? No, it's free. All of our resources are free, actually, and I think that's something that you know. Um, again, I just really urge people to explore our website. Um, if you uh, Google Sanctuary Mental Health UK, that will help you get to that. So the app we've called Together Again. Um, obviously, you know, the easing of lockdown is um, a fairly complicated business, but nonetheless, many of us have been able to kind of recontact family, fa uh, family members and friends and um, 
we really hope that this is a way that we'll be able to offer people connecting conversations. And so if you head to the website, you'll be you'll find a way to sign up for our newsletter. We'll tell you about new things as they develop. And we'd love to be able to be in contact with people who have a particular interest in this journey. And, you know, I'd love to hear from people directly um, if they would like to talk further about this topic and find ways in which we can support their community on, on this journey too. Perhaps just finally, you said us a bit about the Sanctuary course. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the Sanctuary course, it's uh, a course for all churches to um, really develop awareness and response to the topic of mental health. And the, the goal of this course really is to help um, a group or a church go on a journey where there's a level of awareness of uh, the challenges that people face and an opportunity for people to share um, if they want to within that group of their own experience of these things. And for me, it's a really key thing that we can um, start to develop safety around these topics. And what the Sanctuary Course does, I think, is it offers um, a way to reflect on it theologically, but it also offers really key information about different experiences around mental health, um, both um, the first-hand experiences of people who've experienced difficulty, but also um, there's some key facts on that too. So um, I really would urge people to think about that. It's been a key year for us in terms of mental health awareness. And um, I think, you know, whilst that's been a really positive thing in terms of being able to have conversations like this, I think it can sometimes disappear into background noise. Um, and so I think for all of us, there might be an invitation to think about, okay, what what does our engagement as a community need to be at this stage? So the Sanctuary Course is a really good way to, to kind of further that engagement and, and help a community move to a place where the, there's um, a greater level of availability to each other as well as awareness about these topics. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to The Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. (laughs) 